Welcome to the Loans On Demand podcast, the show where we flip the real estate status quo on its head and put loan officers into the driver's seat. We give you all the tools, strategies, resources, and mindset needed to modernize your mortgage business and thrive. And my name is Luke Shankula, AKA Longform Luke, and this is the Loans On Demand podcast. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Loans On Demand podcast, the show where we help loan officers flip the status quo on real estate agents and put loan officers in the driver's seat. And I'm excited because we have a special guest, Matt Muscat. He's the marketing director at Treadstone Funding. He's also the author of TAG, which is the tangible action guide for real estate marketing. And he's also the host of the Neighborhood Podcast. So it looks like he is doing a whole bunch of things and he's got some uh, cool ideas, I think, for everybody who is listening. But welcome to the show, Matt. Thank you so much for being here, man. Look, thanks for having me, man. Happy Friday. Yeah, happy Friday, man. It's uh, it's always a good day when it's Friday, and I'm here in San Diego, and it's it's a balmy 85 degrees today, so it's uh, well, it's, it's a not balmy, too shabby. Like 50 here, but I can tell you that in Michigan, the minute spring happens, every home buyer out there, every lead that like was hiding, they're now out, they're ready to go. So uh-huh. all my LOs are working hard today, trying to keep up. It's an exciting yeah. time to be in real estate. Sure, man. And uh, 50 degrees in Michigan is like 80 degrees here, probably, right? Yeah. Everybody's wearing their flip-flops and, and shorts. <laughs> 50 degrees here is like, uh, you know, everybody's wearing parkas. So, you know, We're it's probably canceling for school for that. It's, it's a little crazy, but no, it's a great day here. Awesome, man. Cool. Well, you know, give us a little bit of background, yeah. you know, who you are, what kind of got you into the industry, all that kind of fun stuff, and give some context as to who you are, man. Well, I'm in the industry because I didn't listen to my mother. I was finishing up grad school in 2010, you know, amidst the like financial collapse that our industry single-handedly caused. And there was like no one hiring, like no jobs were hiring out there. Half my graduating class couldn't find any work. And I applied for like 100 jobs. And the only company that called me back was a mortgage company. Uh, It's the one I'm at now. And they were like, hey, could you do marketing for us? And I was like, yeah, I'm really good at marketing. Like I'm a cocky college kid who knows how to use Facebook, right? Like I had a MySpace, I had a Facebook and a couple other obscure social (laughs) channels. And I knew how to do SEO and website marketing. So they hired me for $30,000 a year. I'll say my salary on the podcast, right? So I told my mom and my mom was like, why would you go to work in the mortgage industry? That's the worst thing you could ever do. Fast forward 12 years. I could not imagine ever being in any other industry other than real estate because you can do as well as what you want to make it. Like I can play pickleball at nine in the morning and I can prospect for six hours a day and I can do what I need to do. I can network, I can hang out and there's value in every possible situation you could possibly be in as long as you know how to see that value and figure out a way to capture it. Like that's what I love. So since then, my probably third day at work, did some SEO stuff on the website. I got some leads in the first couple of months. My boss was excited. And I said, well, what else? Like, what else can I do? He goes, well, there are these people called realtors. And if you can get them to like us, they will send us business that we will close and make money on. And I was like, okay, well, this is cool. How do I get a realtor to like us? And he goes, well, if you got us leads, can you get them leads? Like, could you teach them how to do social media, SEO, give them advice? And I was like, sure, it can't be that hard. So I just started calling realtors, messaging them on Facebook, meeting them whenever I was out in town. Every person out there has a real estate license. If you just shout at a grocery store, like, who here sells real estate, 30 people will raise their hand. So I would just find people that were in real estate and I would say like, hey, do you want me to like do a meeting with you? And we can talk about like free Google stuff and like how to set up a Google business page. And here's how to optimize your website with keyword marketing. And this is before chat GTP and like before this was easy. And I would meet with these people and they'd say like, well, what's in it? And I said, well, if you like me and you like these ideas and you get business off it, would you consider meeting with one of my loan officers, setting them a deal, 
you know, see if you like us, if we're the right fit for you. And they'd almost always out of politeness say yes. And then the ideas would actually work and then we would get business. So between then and now I've done probably 3,600 realtor meetings, which wow. I don't know, many of you out there listening, maybe you've done more than me, but every time I meet with a realtor, I ask them like, what got you into the business? Where's your business coming from now? And where did you get your last deal from? And I write all that shit down. And now when I meet with new realtors, I can give them those ideas. So it's just recycling and sharing ideas. And that's basically me in a nutshell. It's where I get the content for my book. It's where I got the content for my podcast. That's kind of my journey. Love it, man. That's an impressive journey. I mean, it's obviously like in mean, 3,600 meetings, I'm sure you've learned a little bit amongst that. I mean, like I'm assuming the first meeting was not the same as the meetings that you're taking now. So what's kind of been the evolution of those meetings over that sort of period of time? I mean, what did you say, 13 years or 14 years or whatever yeah. you said it was? So the evolution is in the beginning, right? Like I think it's very much like the beginning of anyone's career in any industry. You're kind of faking it until you're making it, right? Sure. Um, and if you're not willing to fake it until you make it, you're probably out of it. But in the beginning, I was giving generic advice, right? Like I was saying like, hey, here's how to make a Google business page. Here's how to create a Facebook business page. Here's, you know, in general, like you should go post things. I didn't have the knowledge to tell them specifically what to do. Gotcha. Now I've interviewed and met with so many different personality types most of my meeting in the first half is figuring out what brought you into real estate or mortgages, figuring sure. out what assets you bring to the table, what networks you're in, where you're from. And then I'm going to craft a marketing strategy for you based on what you're bringing to the table, right? Because there's like hundreds of thousands of loan officers and realtors out there. And most of them have the same demographics. So like, right. why are they all going to market the same way? Like we want to come up with now that I've been in it for longer, like I want to help people come up with unique strategies that are specific to the assets and the ammunition that they have. I love it. I love it. And that's like all about creating, I mean, we talk about unique value propositions all the time yeah. and that's probably part of it, but part of it is also like, we're all our own humans. And we talk about this all the time in terms of on this, even on this podcast, we've interviewed several people. They talk about like, most people don't really care so much about the business side of things. They care more about who you are as a person, yeah. uh, you know, so they care about like what you did with your kids this weekend. Right. And again, it's going to attract whoever you want to attract. If you're the type of person that is a family person, then you talk about your family, right? If you're the type of person that, you know, likes to go golfing, talk about golfing. Like, you know, it's like, those are the types of things because you're going to attract people because people are attracted to people that are similar to them. So I love that you created this sort of like, Hey, stop sounding like everybody else. Like, here's how you actually win. It's funny. I actually did a reel the other day that said, there's a counterintuitive way for you as a loan officer to get more business and that's to stop talking about business. And it's just kind like, of boring. Yeah, it is. Yeah. No one wants to see your business. Like they do to a certain extent. They want to know that you do what you do. Right. Cause you can't be a, um, you just can't be silent. Right. You have to like right. be out there. Right. You have to show that you do loans. So you have to talk about it sometimes, but I think people think that if they post only business stuff, that's what's going to get the business. Well, what's really interesting and something that I've seen for realtors and lenders is that, expertise carries across your interest levels and things you do. Meaning sure. that like you might be in mortgages, but you might be like a huge, huge wine expert. Well, people that look at you in a different aspect of your life as a wine expert, they're going to assume that you're also a mortgage expert because you're in mortgages and you're an expert in something else that expertise carries. Mm. So to come up with, and I'll, I guess this is my first like tangible tip of the day, right? Like my first like pull over and write this down moment is sure. if you want social media to work for you, if you want like, your public speaking to work for you, pick five personas or topics, five things or interests, five things that you're super into that you want to commit to posting about, that you want to commit to educating people about. And mm -hmm. 
you never know which one one of your followers or friends is going to choose to engage with you on, but it doesn't matter. As long as you get engagement, that is what's going to help you get that conversation and hopefully have an open-ended conversation. Because where I really want every conversation to go is the point where someone asks you, how's it going? What's new? How's work? Whatever. Because then you now have the power in that conversation to steer that towards mortgages, how great the market is, et cetera. And that's where you can then dive in for the, hey, let's grab coffee. Hey, like, let's do a meeting. I can walk you through your specific situation. I literally have picked up more realtor meetings posting about pickleball and wine than I have about marketing in the last two years, right? Like in my market, people were sick of my marketing advice. Like they'd all heard it. But then I started right. posting about wine and pickleball and people were like, oh, hey, like, He's not a robot. And all of a sudden, right. like people that I've never talked to before, maybe they were ignoring all my other stuff. We're like, oh, I'm now interested in Matt again because he has sure. like these other weird interests. So that's my like advice. I love it, one. <laughs> I love it man. I, so now I know that me being a taco connoisseur is actually valuable. Cool. I mean, you know, I'll just tell people well, I'm a taco expert. Well, right. Like unless you are the number one loan officer in the country, right? Like, and I don't even know who that is. Like unless you're maybe like own United Wholesale Mortgage or something, being a loan person is not the most interesting thing about you, but being right. like a taco connoisseur, that's friggin' awesome. Like I used to be a ranch dressing connoisseur and people would call me about oh, it. Like, like I'm a ranch, I'm out. a ranch dressing connoisseur too, man. I, right? I just forgot about that. Yeah. Like that, I mean, I that was the it. thing. Like it's called multiplex theory. Like the more reasons people have to remember you, the more likely sure. they will be to remember you. I love it. I love it. And it brings around this point of social media. Like I post memes pretty regularly and it's yeah. funny to people because like people are like, well, that's not valuable. And I'm like, well, that is valuable because what you've actually done is you've lightened someone's day. You've made someone have like a reaction to something, right? So that is actually valuable. Now, if you only post memes, probably not great either, right? Just like if you only post business, but uh, yeah, it just shows who you are as a human. I personally, as, as a marketer, I've generated, I would say, you know, especially for the first three or four years of my business, I generated almost a hundred percent of my business from organic social media content just posting stuff. I'm posting wins, obviously posting yeah. about business, but you know, I typically play by the rule of the thirds, right? I do a third of my content is business type posts. A third of my content is like family sort of like me. And then about a third of it is like thought leader type posts. And that's just the way I break it up personally, because, and it's not like exact, it's not like I'm like for every, whatever. It's like, that's just what I try to sort of stray towards because I just find that like, you do want to be positioned as an expert and you talked about it. Like you can be an expert in being in wine, right? Or mindset or whatever, business building, whatever it is. Um, and they might be attributing that same thing to, which is something I've never actually thought about. So I love that you brought that up. On top of that though, when you post a meme or you post anything that sticks, right? If someone pauses on the screen, if they stop the scroll for a second, it's going to help the next post you do. Because yeah. the algorithm now knows that people are interested in your posts and that carries also. So mm -hmm. posting something that's going to get a view, maybe it's like, I always say like post lightly controversial stuff. Like don't ask yes. people anything about like politics, but right. post something that's like local controversial. Like, Hey, what's the best burger in town? Like everyone has a stupid opinion and like, I know the best burger in town, but like, you know, that will get the comments going. That will get engagement oh, yeah. going. versus oh, yeah. like, Hey, here's the new FHA conforming rate or the new FHA loan, the loan limits. Like, okay, great. <laughs> It applies to people buying a house, which is like 6% of your database. For of your right, right. It's funny that you brought that up. I've done this many times, but uh, I remember one of my favorite ones was when I posted um, talking about Chick-fil-A. 
And I was yeah. like, Chick-fil-A is like so overrated. It's just a soggy chicken sandwich. And like, it was just crazy. Cause like, you know, there's both sides. There's like the people that love it. And then there's the people that were agreeing with me. It's a engagement bait type of thing. I did a funny post the other day too. That was kind of similar to that. And I said that the online application is the worst thing to happen in the mortgage industry. And everybody yeah. was just like going off in that. Uh, in the well, you're right section. though. I'll take it there. And I'll agree with you on this one because anyone that doesn't agree with you is wrong. And they're probably closing less business. We have a new loan officer. And she was on me to get her online loan application set up her first day. And I was like, well, your license hasn't come through yet. So that's why it's not up yet. But I said, but also, I don't want you taking any applications online for your first couple of months until you have more business than you have to do with. Because in this market, every single lead you do, you need to do face-to-face or over Zoom face-to-face to really sell it. Like anyone mm-hmm. can go on the internet and get a lower rate. Anyone can change their mind at the drop of a bucket, like a couple of days before closing. You need to go so deep with this customer, have their favorite Starbucks waiting at the meeting. Otherwise, they are going to leave you. You are not that special. And sure enough, she did her first three in real life. And she kept all three of those deals throughout the transaction. And that's what I want my LOs doing. I agree, man. I I mean, I think it can be used. I think a lot of people use it as a crutch to like not have to do the work. And you can get away with it with referrals. But if you're doing like, I mean, because we do a lot of online lead stuff, right? It's like, so you're going to have to talk to someone who has no idea who you are. and You're going to try to send them an online application link after talking to them for five minutes. Like I've seen it work when people talk to them for 45 minutes to an hour, right? 35, 45 minutes. So they're doing a real discovery call and then getting it done. But I agree. I think in the market, like what makes a loan officer stand out? Yeah. It's a commodity. It's a, co- I mean, at the end of the day, like getting a loan is a commodity. Like you can get a loan from anybody, right? Like, yeah, yeah the we're rate not, may we're be not a little worth, bit different. We're not worth the commission that we're paid unless we're offering some type of extra human value. And I say this to right. realtors the exact same way, right? Like if you do not want technology to replace us, you have to offer some sort of unique personalized value, which could Mm -hmm. be being their therapist, being their counselor, uh, analyzing a situation, being a critical thinker. But like most of us are not trained to do any of those things. And if you take the fact that 50% of loan officers are at gigantic internet mortgage companies, they are order takers, not critical thinkers. I know who I want on my team when I'm buying my house. Sure. To that point though, like the order takers, like those are some of the best salespeople that I've seen as far as that, like taking the application over the phone. Yeah. Like they're just going to push it as far as you can. And I agree, they're not going to figure out like, it's just, it's a numbers game for them. So like they have numbers that game. side of the equation. Good. So what I like to talk about is I like saying that like the loan officer of the future is the hybrid loan officer, the one that understands consumer direct sort of marketing stuff. And they also understand the realtor referral side, which is why I love you know, it's conversation with you because like you've kind of perfected that sort of realtor side for the most part, it sounds like. And so love to dive a little bit deeper into that. Yeah. I know you do these meetings, like when you're doing <clears throat> these things, is it specific? Like, so are you crafting a plan specifically for them? Is this like when you're meeting with them, that's all it's about is just crafting a plan for them or what does that sort of look it depends. like? So it depends why they reach out, right? So there's, sure. let's break it down into two categories, right? There's brand new realtors that want to meet with us to get a marketing plan going. And they just don't know what they don't know. So some of them are coming in for a mortgage meeting and then they get the marketing thing as like a side and others are coming in because they want the marketing and then they get the loan officer on the side. So sure. any the key thing is that any realtor that comes in to meet, they're meeting with marketing and with mortgages, right? So if they think they want marketing, they're also getting a side of mortgages so they have an introduction. If they think mm-hmm. they just want to meet the loan officer, they're getting a side of marketing so that they can get a taste of why we're different from every other mortgage company out there. We're actually going to help them get some business. Gotcha. So for new realtors, we're really helping them figure out what the most important things for them to do in the first six months of their business are and really putting them on a path. The number one reason most real estate agents and probably loan officers fail 
is the exact same reason that they got into business in the first place. They wanted more independence. They wanted right. more freedom. They wanted to be their own boss. So then they get into real estate and they have their first day and they look at their calendar and there is absolutely nothing on it. And guess what? The snowball never gets rolling unless they're like ungodly attractive and holding a Labrador puppy, right? Like right. you need to get business from somewhere. So we're going to really help them come up with a time block. And that time block, the first two weeks is going to be building their database. And it's going to be really boring. It's going to be going to your coffee shop, putting a little note on your laptop that says, I'm a realtor holding office hours and working on your database for six hours. That's it. And then the next day, you're doing that same thing again. And then when we get 250 good people in your database with first name, last name, email address, phone number, a link to their social media channels in case you don't have that, notes on how you know them, where they work, how, like give me everything, the spouse name, the kids' names, their dogs' names. Then we're going to start crafting the message. And the message- This is a sphere. This is like this your, is your this sphere. Is, okay, yeah. gotcha. And then we're going to start crafting different messages to the different groups of people that they have. One of the number one mistakes that I hear real estate brokers and mortgage branch managers making is when they get a new salesperson, they're like, hey, like send this intro letter out to your sphere. And it's like, hey, I've just wanted to let you know that I've joined XYZ real estate related company. I would love to sell you things. Sure. Screw that. It's all about you. It's not fun. It's not valuable. I want that first communication to be specific to how you know them. You have one first shot to get noticed. So this should be your best possible shot. And it mm. needs to offer some market value, right? Like some statistics, some information on what's happening, how you do things differently, what team you're on, which brokerage you're on, what assets can you bring and what's going on in the community? Like why is now a good time for them? That is what your initial thing should be, but it should be a little bit different based on who you're sending it to. So like, what gotcha. are the groups you have? Is it like, is it your bowling league friends, your church friends, your kids' friends, your neighbors, your college buddies? It needs to be written differently to whatever group that's in. And that's what we're really helping people time block in their first two or three weeks in real estate. Now, if we're meeting with an existing agent, then I want to find out where have they gotten their business in the last couple of years? Because usually there's some type of missed opportunity that we find. I'm sure. I'll give you an example. Missed opportunity right now. All these realtors and lenders in the last three years, the market's been crazy. There's been no inventory. All of them have helped people buy houses that they didn't love. They helped people buy houses that kind of worked and got a roof over their head, but most agents and lenders do not call their past clients if they recently purchased because they're like, oh, they just bought. They're not buying again. Right. Yes. People are in houses that they don't love. And if you were to send them homes that match what they were looking for a year ago, two years ago when they were looking, you can reconvert them. You can get two sales in two years. You could sell them investment properties. You know if your client's wealthy or not. Why not sell them an investment property just because it's like six months after they bought a normal house? Who cares? There's so many opportunities for going deeper with your database and critical thinking. And that's what I really like to train my existing agents on. But that's just one example. I, I like to find out what was working for someone and figure out what's the deeper opportunity that they missed because they were busy. I love it, man. We just had um, Monitor Base on yeah. uh, a couple of episodes ago. And one of the things he was talking about is how only, I think you said 81% of home buyers don't work with the same loan officer on their next transaction. It's like only 19% of home buyers are working with the same loan officer for the next transaction. He also talked about that like for every 11 years, right? Every 11 years are doing four transactions. So basically they typically purchase a home every 11 years on average based off of their data. And then within that, they also have two refinance transactions, right? So like that's four deals in 11 years and only 19% of people are working with the same person. So like most people, most loan officers are missing out on 
81% of the deals that they should be getting. Obviously, you're probably not going to capture 100% of that business, but you're missing out on a lot. And that part of it is because people aren't calling their past clients. What I think right now, I think a lot of lenders are getting frustrated with some of their realtor partners because there's not as many leads as there used to be, right? Like right. Rates go up by a percent, leads go down 50%. Right. So relying on your past clients, but educating them and telling them when they should move and when they should do things, that is your job. It's creating demand. The best loan officers sure. right now are the ones that are telling their clients what and where they should be buying, how they should be spending their money, what type of down payment they should be leveraging so that they have more money left over to do something else and pay down other debt. If you're not doing these things, you're missing the ball. You're speaking my language, man. It's something we tell people all the time. It's like loan officers will be like, well, I'm an advisor. I'm an advisor. I'm not going to pressure you into buying. It's like, well, you're not pressuring someone into buying. Like if they shouldn't be buying right now, they shouldn't be buying. But the truth is like, it's a good time to buy. There's not as much competition. If you can afford to buy a home right now, freaking buy a home. You're the expert. You're the one that does 30, 40, 50, 60, 100 transactions a year. They do one transaction every four years, three years. They don't know they, better. People want to be led, right? Yes. Like people want someone to tell them what to do because it reassures them. I think too many loan officers don't use enough psychology in their business. And it's a missed mm -hmm. opportunity. Like, so I want to find out like, what's the number one reason that you think you're not successful right now? Like if you're listening right now, like, why do you not think you're successful? And most loan officers would say, what, what is the thing happening in the market? That's why they're not busy this year. This is, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the things that we're hearing the most. Yeah. Inventory is really, <clears throat> really, that's the number one thing that I keep hearing is yep. inventory. And then obviously rates. Those are the two things that I keep hearing. So, right. So let's start with interest rates. That's the easiest one. It's the elephant in the room. If your client is confused or nervous about interest rates, there's two things that you can do to help. Number one, in the very beginning when you're working with them, ask them why they called you. What is the most important thing for them in buying this house? Do you know what the answer will never be? Interest rates, because they are boring. They're going right. to say, oh, I need a new school district. Oh, I need a bigger house. Oh, I need whatever. You have to ask them the question up front and then reinforce their own answer back to them throughout the process so that when you finally get an application under contract and then they're, ooh, that, that rate, I just heard on the news that rates are high. I want to back out of this now. You can remind them of their own words. Now, the second right. piece, if you're working with someone that's more mathematical, I like to use the laws of physics. I don't know much about science or math. My wife could confirm that to you. But in my mind, interest rates can only do three things. They can go up. Now, if you buy today and interest rates go up, you should be happy because you got a good deal, right? Great. So if you buy today and rates go up, you're good. You could buy today and rates could go down. Well, then you would just refinance and your loan officer would let you know because they get paid on it. So that's a no brainer. If you buy today and rates stay the same, then who cares? So there's only three mathematical ways that rates can move. And I've just outlined for you what to say for each one of those things. Now you mentioned inventory. Inventory is challenging, right? Like if there are no houses to buy, there are no deals to be had. However, what I like to do for inventory is I like to look at the MLS every day, or if you want to do it once a week, okay, this is a good time block activity for you or for your realtors, or you could do it together. Find 10 homes that have been on the market for 10 days or more. Look through the pictures and write out three or four bullet points of why you don't think this home is sold, right? Or what the potential for this home is. Like, does it need to be remodeled? If so, well, like come up with the Property Brothers analysis. And then look at that list and compare that to your database. Who do you know that should be buying this house? Someone that's lost out on 30 other offers and this house is in the neighborhood, but it just needs a coat of paint and like maybe all new appliances. 
you need to sell the opportunity and the vision. Most of your customers don't have the vision. And frankly, most of your business partners don't either. Find the home that's been on the market for 10 days or more and sell the vision to 10 different customers for that home. Get people excited about it. I have LOs at my office who've taken homes that have been in the market for 10 days or more and literally created bidding wars over those homes. And agents are thrilled. It's a way to guarantee yourself a deal that no other person was going to reel in, make your agent happy and get a home for your client. So that's what I would do with the inventory problem. That's awesome too. I mean, and what I always talk about is like the other thing too is like, you can't control the rates and you can't control the inventory. The only thing you can control is like the actions that you take. How many more actions can you take in this market? You're just gonna have to talk to more people on a daily basis. That's the way I always like, try to tell. It's like, it's when people tell me they're slow, I'm like, well, bro, what are you doing? Like what was in your calendar today that was leading to more conversations or leading to more inventory? And if the answer is nothing, I was sitting there hoping that's your answer. And I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of loan officers and that's typically what it comes down to is like, they say they're busy a lot of times, but then when you actually dive into the revenue generating activities, which you kind of alluded to a couple seconds ago, it's like, if you're not doing revenue generating activities, sales, you know, doing prospecting, things like that, you're not moving your business forward. So if you're chasing conditions, if you're, you know, calling your pre-approved buyers, which is an important part of your business, like I'm not saying it's not important <clears throat> to do those things, but you can't spend eight hours a day doing those things. Cause that's what happens. That's where you get in those roller coaster months of like, Hey, you do four or five deals, all of a sudden, crap, I don't have any deals in the pipeline. Now I got to go chase down deals. It's because you stop doing those activities. Absolutely. Consistently. Another um, strategy in terms of the rate conversation, which I actually love the way you frame that. I'm going to use that and steal that. But another thing that I just basically talked about was the cost of waiting, right? So there's this cool calculator on MGIC, which just talks about like cost of waiting. In this specific scenario, it talks about waiting for 20% down, but it could be used in the same way. Like, hey, like you're going to wait for the rates to go down. Here's what it's going to look like. Hey, here's your rent. Here's how much you're going to be paying towards rent over the next five years. If you continue to wait or whatever, two years, however you want to do that, you can just show them like, this is what it's going to take. This is what the cost of waiting is for you, right? So like, there's not really any bad time to, I, at least I say this, there's no bad time to buy real estate. There's just a bad time to sell it, right? So like, if you're willing to hold the property long enough for the most part, yeah. I mean, unless you bought it at the top of 2008, but even then, if you held long enough, you would have been fine, right? Well, like, that's, you that's been... the thing. I think I've read that in the United States and in most developed countries, there has never been an 11 year period in history where prices have gone down. Now, yeah, if you bought a home and there was like, you know, a huge environmental disaster, that could be bad for you. But for the most part, just real estate prices go up. And I think it's all about whenever people ask me like, well, what's the market going to do? I said, it's not really relevant what the market's going to do. It's more important to ask yourself, am I confident in my personal ability to earn the same or greater income over the next couple of years and continue to afford this home? Because what's the alternative, right? Like you have to live somewhere and rent prices are going to continue to go up. Like even in 2008, rent prices were going up because more people were losing their homes and needed to rent something. Right. So I look right. at like, okay, if everything went wrong, could I rent out a bedroom in my house? Could I Airbnb it? Like, what are my options here? And at this point, you know, prices have gone up 200% since I bought. So I'm now, I feel like more in the clear, but I'm trying to sure. educate, you know, our buyers of, hey, this is about your personal confidence in yourself and your income, less about the market. Well, I still think it, I mean, it comes back to the conversation that we just had, which is loan officers need to step up and be that expert, right? I think the reason why people like to say that they're an advisor or they like to educate their prospects is because I feel like there's this sort of negative connotation around sales and persuasion that like, in my opinion, is a total farce, right? Like it's because 
but you know, the think about the used car salesman, that's like what everybody thinks about. And even though most used car salesmen are great, right? Like, you know, but that's just the unfortunate uh, reality is that salespeople have this sort of negative stigma around them because, and I would say because of the way a lot of people sold for the last, whatever, 30, 40 years, I don't think for the most part that's happening. Yeah, it's happening a little bit, right. but there's a way to do it that um, is very ethical, but yet also is doing what's right for them. Right. And a lot of times 100%. they don't know that. So like, talk about that, man. What's your philosophy? Because it sounds like you have a very similar philosophy in regards to sales, that process. And like, how do you train your, I know you do some training for the loan officers. In addition to that, how do you train kind of the real estate agents on how to do that? I think like the number one thing is I want to see tangible action in people's calendars. I want to see what are their profitable activities that they're working on. And then I want to see how have you broken down your activities in a systematic way by the type of opportunity that they are. What is your plan for leads? So what's your plan for attracting leads at the top of the funnel? What's your plan Mm -hmm. for leads that are existing? What's your plan for leads that are under contract or if you're a realtor that you're showing homes to? What's your plan for closing day? What's your plan for after closed? And you shouldn't really refer to people as past clients because you're setting this self-fulfilling prophecy that you're never going to work with them again. Right. So I want to see a plan for all of those things. And I think if you're able to do that, then you can allocate some percentages, right? So in the beginning of your career, you need to work all of your effort on top of the funnel. Right. For my loan officer that I work with at my office is doing 150 million in sales and does 600 transactions a year. Almost all of his time is bottom of the funnel. It's Sure. It's current clients. It's figuring out how to get referrals from them. It's figuring out how to make sure he's loving on all of his existing clients. They all get home values, you know, like things like HomeBot, personal sure. phone calls like that, anniversary calls. It's figuring out how to tweak those percentages as your year progresses. That's awesome because, again, going back to this conversation with the monitor base, it was it's crazy. Like how many people are so caught up in new business and you see this all the time right they get so caught up in this new business that they do forget that right so that you know this guy that's closed 150 million a year if he was chasing down new business every single year versus like just nurturing his existing database it would be a lot harder to get to those numbers right so it's finding that balance and i think that's where a lot of people get stuck in this sort of like continual sort of hamster wheel because they're not looking at their business as a long-term thing and they're just so stuck in today like i need to get today's business I said this the other day, I said, people need to think about LTV, lifetime value, not today value, right? And it's just like, stop thinking about what you're going to get out of them today and start thinking about like, again, we don't want to think about getting out anything out of people, but you know what I mean? We're a thousand percent the same page. I actually teach a con ed class licensed for con ed for realtors, and it's called customer lifetime value. Mm. And we literally walk through one of my LOs paid $50 for a lead in 2003, right? Like that was a lot of money for a lead back then. Right. But we've made $49,000 in commission off of that customer and have a friendship over a 20-year period now. Because we look at the four purchases, the three refis, the eight customer referrals, and it only our system, we use Salesforce, it only tracks the referral one down. So like right. we might have had say. a pyramid of like 75 new clients off of all right. of those referrals, but we just don't know that. But When I look at that and I see the CLV, the customer lifetime value off of that $50 lead, that tells me that we should be focusing all of our effort on our in-process current clients and people that already know like and love us because that's some serious money. It's huge. And it also is like, even if it was like, hey, you spent $2,000 and got that $50 lead, it's still like 100% worth it. Because the other thing too is like, if you get direct to the consumer first, you could also get the referral to a referral partner. Then that turns into even more money. Well, yeah, I'll tell you about my loan officer last year, newer LO. 
we gave him a house lead, you know, someone called in, Hey, I'd like to get a loan. We said, awesome. Here's Stu. He's fantastic. And he said to the person, Oh, do you have a realtor? They said, no. He calls a realtor and goes, Hey, I don't really know you super well, but your signs in my neighborhood. I have a lead. Would you want to work with it? But like, I'm kind of new. If I send you this and you like me, will you send me one back? Agents like, absolutely. Of course. He leveraged that free lead into a new realtor relationship. He's now closed 12 deals with that person. Right. Mm -hmm. So like I look at whatever I spent a hundred bucks on that house lead, we've made a hundred grand off of it. Like right. that is a much better ROI. It's the fuzzy ROI of doing some of these activities that people don't think about. Again, they're just so caught up in like, I need to spend as little as possible to like get like, like no, like if you actually look at it like and as a marketer, like that's what we're taught is LTV, right? We're looking at lifetime value, but I don't think loan yeah. officers and real estate agents are taught the lifetime value. Well, that's because so they it, think it means loan to value, but that's a whole nother right, story. That's right. Yeah. That's another story, right? Yeah. That's funny. They just get confused with too many of those acronyms, but no, it's a huge component to like what we talk about as well. It's like, it doesn't matter if it costs you $10,000 to acquire, if you're able to get a hundred thousand dollars out of that deal, like obviously you don't want to spend that, but you know what I mean? Like I'm just saying in, in context, it comes down to like, what are the actions that you're taking to get those referrals and to continue to keep them? Cause I see like a consumer as three ways of getting more business. You can refer that person, of course, if they don't have a real estate agent, refer them to a real estate agent, get their future referrals and their future business, right? So those are three different ways you can make additional money off of one person. Well, let's go deeper than that. So every single person that you work with has their own sphere of influence, has a job, right. does something for a living, right? Like we know what they do for a living. We see their employment information. What if you as a loan officer were to download a report from your mortgage system, your LOS, or from your CRM system? and take every company and every job title and think to yourself critically, what is the deeper opportunity? You might have a client who is a nurse, a firefighter, a police officer. Could you bring donuts to their floor with like some information about you right after closing or a year after closing? People that work in those industries are so close with their coworkers mm -hmm. that the trust that one of their coworkers had in you multiplies. Maybe you have a customer who's a divorce attorney, an estate planning attorney, a financial advisor, a tax preparer. Those people are all poised to give you referrals. But when you did your loan for them, you looked at them as a one-time transaction, but not as someone who is a potential referral source because your mind couldn't think beyond, oh, I get referrals from realtors or builders, but not from XYZ other industries. Right. Look right. at the people you've helped and look at what they do for a living for the deeper opportunity. I mean, there's a loan officer who became the official mortgage loan officer for Facebook, for God's sake. Like HR or Facebook sends this guy leads. Why could you not do that for the big company in your area? It's huge. We, I mean, that's one of the, actually the angles we run. A lot of our marketing goes towards the heroes of the community. And we've seen that a lot where like, a, you know, a nurse closes a deal, like they close a deal with a nurse. Hey, here's six people that also like saw that I closed on a home or teachers, right? Same thing. Educators are, are there police, you know, especially I feel like police are like super like tight. And the, like, if you can get in with the police, like they're really going to like refer you out because they're very Absolutely. skeptical and stuff like One that. One of our well. best so, referral sources, those public servants and police officers. I love that. Yeah. And the other thing too is, I mean, just from a marketing perspective, those are also massive, massive employers, right? Like healthcare is one of the biggest employers, schools, education is one of the biggest employers of people. Like, so those are just massive industries that you can target that are also, you know, poised to give you referrals as well. So, I mean, I love that you talked about that because that's a massive opportunity. And, you know, like you said, you can go in and, you know, drop a flyer in there and say, Hey, we do a special, we give, you know, $500 off of an appraisal for anybody who is an educator or whatever you want to do. Again, it doesn't really matter what you do, but it's like, Hey, here's an opportunity. Here's why you're special. We really love our heroes of the community. So I love that um, you brought that up, man. As we, you know, kind of get towards the end here, like 
we've already talked about some tangible stuff, but let's kind of like maybe find something new. Like if you were to like start over, become a loan officer, whatever, like what would you go out there today to get business, right? Like what would you do today? I think the easiest thing that I would do. So I would leverage two things, the places that I spend money and social media. So all the places I spend money. So let's start with like, what do you do for fun? And what could you do to make sure that all the people that know you from that circle of your life know that you do mortgages? So something we've been doing, I really like coffee and wine, but wine's kind of pricey. So I don't do this with that. Sure. But we go to coffee shops once a month. We find local coffee shops, like not Starbucks, although Starbucks is great. You know, my kids love cake pops. I've spent a million dollars on cake pops, I think. Yes, me too. I should get a reward or a sponsorship. (laughs) But we go to coffee shops and we just ask the barista, like, can we buy the tab for the next hour? Every person that's buying coffee, lattes, whatever, we would like to pick up the tab for. Sometimes we split it with a realtor. Every coffee shop we've ever asked, by the way, has said yes. And then every person that goes to buy their coffee and checks out, they find out, oh, your coffee's on them. You can tip if you want to. They all come up to us and say, thank you. Why are you doing this? And then we all say, oh, we're a mortgage company in town. We're the local option. We just wanted to like meet people and you know spread some good cheer in the community. Every single time we've done it, we've picked up a deal. One time That's we crazy. spent 430 bucks on it. The realtor did 215, we did 215, three deals. Two were people moving to the area and one was someone that worked at the coffee shop. And then one was like kind of a random refi situation due to a divorce. But like, it was a ton of fun. We got to spend good time with our agents and we picked a business. We're going to be doing the same thing this summer. I play a lot of pickleball. I'm obsessed with it. It's more addicting than cocaine, although I don't do cocaine. So I wouldn't know about that. Pickleball is a ton of fun. <laughs> So we go to the pickleball courts this summer and we're going to be passing out free water and free Gatorade every Saturday. That's it. Love it. And when people ask why we're doing it, we're going to say, oh, we're just a local mortgage company in town and we want people to like us. That's the whole strategy. And if we get one or two deals all summer, great. But also it's just fun to give back to the community. So that'd be one thing. And sure. anyone can do that no matter where you live. It doesn't cost a lot of money depending on how you do it. Second, I mean, you one get one be, deal. It doesn't matter if it costs you 500 yeah. bucks because you get one. Deal. Like that's a stupid cost per acquisition. By the way, if anybody's listening, like if you think paying $500 for one deal is a lot, then uh, you got nothing coming for you. Absolutely. So the second one would be pretty easy. You have to make Tuesday update calls to your real estate agents. On every transaction, you need to multiply that out. You need to give an update to your client every week. And at some point in that call, you're asking them for business or you're asking them some personal questions that will lead to you figuring out how to ask for business. Mm-hmm. You're calling the listing agent to give them an update on the deal before they call you to build confidence. You're calling mm-hmm. your referral partner to let them know how's it going, et cetera. You're also then using that as an opportunity to ask for business, find out what open houses they have that weekend. And then once the deal closes, you could offer to host a housewarming party or a moving day party for your customer. The people that will show up to this housewarming party or moving day party will be their closest personal friends, their new neighbors, et cetera. And you are actually the hero, right? Like you and the realtor are in essence the hero who helps them win a house, win an offer in this competitive market. So it's an sure. amazing way to pick up deals. And you know, usually we buy two pizzas and a couple of bottles of wine and beer. And it's again not expensive and it's a ton of fun. It also saves you from having to go to a steakhouse on a Friday night because you're now at this client party. So you're actually saving money if you can rationalize budgets in the mentally insane way that I can. <laughs> Love so those it, are my two easy ideas. And those are awesome. I mean, I, something I've actually never even thought about is buying out the coffee. And that's an amazing way. And I love the way that you kind of framed it. I'm assuming that's exactly what you say. You're not like super salesy. You don't like make it like, oh yeah, so I'm looking, here's my card. 
We right? don't, like you're just we like, literally hey. like, we don't wear name tags. We don't bring like a big banner or like a tablecloth. We just sit at the table on our laptops working until someone comes to get their coffee. And then we say, hi, that's it. We do have our cards with us in case, or our digital cards, our normal cards. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But like, it's not a salesy thing. It's just, it works because it's not salesy. And yeah, that's what I was going to say. It has, half it has of the to leads we picked up off all of these have been from people that work there, which is kind of a fun thing. Yeah, sure. That's awesome, man. That's a fun little thing. We didn't touch on this, and I wanted to yeah. real quick before we close out. Like, you also have like a podcast that you're running. Tell me a little bit about that. That's a that was a pretty cool thing, and I completely spaced on talking yeah, about sure. it this whole time. So, so I have a podcast. It's called the Neighborhood Realtor. So, if you are a lender and you want to get inside the minds of your agents or you want to come to your agents with ideas from other top producing agents. Every two weeks, I interview an agent who's doing anywhere from 20 to, we've had an agent that did $500 million in sales. And wow. we find out what's working for them, but also where they got started and how they grew and what those crucial points were along the way. Every single episode is filled with tangible advice. So my brain of marketing is tangible, executable, repeatable, same as my book. And the guests we've had are really fun. We keep all the episodes to 20 minutes because all of our attention spans are pathetically low at this point, right? Like we're watching TikToks. So mm -hmm. that's in essence the podcast. And the reason I run it is because after I do these 3,600 realtor meetings, I want to have a follow-up to send to each individual agent to keep my messaging, my company's messaging in front of them. I want to really keep the idea of like marketing in front of them. And it's not just right. like our company, like it's not really about our company at all. It's more about, I want my agents to have marketing ideas so that they can get more business and send us more business. So you can have your agents listen to our podcast, they will get ideas. And if they are loyal to you, they will send you the deals back. So that's my shameless plug for the neighborhood realtor. Check it out. Love it. Love it. Cool, man. If someone wanted to learn a little bit more about you, your company, anything, connect with you online, what's yeah. the best place they can connect with you? So they can check me out anywhere, really. If you can't find me by Googling me, you're probably not someone that I want to know. Just kidding. <laughs> um, but Instagram's an easy one, mattmuscat88. Or you can visit mattmuscat.com. You can get bulk copies of my book, Tag the Tangible Action Guide. If you have realtors and you need to get them doing more business, get a bunch of copies of the book and make it an activity of like, hey, agent, you and me are going to pick one of these activities to do together. And we are going to generate some business together. It can be kind of a fun activity. Dope. And then is that on Amazon or where's the book at? Yeah, Amazon's the only place we sell it. It's the easiest place to publish a book. For three days in 2019, we were the number one real estate book on Amazon for three days. Three Gary days. Keller you, sent me a letter in the mail to congratulate me. It was awesome. But then like some other book came out and then we were old news, but it's pretty yeah, good. Well, that's still pretty cool. Three days is a lifetime on, on Amazon's website. Yeah, I'm sure. I tell my wife every night, I'm like, sweetie, I was best selling author on Amazon for three days. She doesn't <laughs> think it's cool anymore. She burst well, she probably thought it was cool then. Yeah. Awesome, man. A minute. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been amazing. Any last parting words of wisdom before we kind of close Go do up? something. All of you just stop listening right now and go actually time walk something in your calendar and prospect, get something done. Yeah, that's good, man. I think that's the one thing that it's like, you have to understand that the only things that are going to change in your life come from your direct actions. You can blame whoever you want. You can blame the government, the inventory, the rates, there's all kinds of things. And those are legitimate excuses. Those are legitimate things that are happening and impacting your business, but they're things that you cannot control. And so again, as a human, the only thing we can control is our own actions. We can influence things, right? Like, you know, there's that, uh, the three levels of influence, but really the only thing we can control is ourself and our actions. Um, and that's the only way you're going to win. So for everybody who's listening, like I pulled so much stuff out of this. It was incredible, man. There was a ton of things there, but I think, I mean, you just kind of ended with it. Like the biggest thing there is like, 
are you blocking time into your day to do revenue generating activities? Like what is it on every single day that you're doing to move your business forward? If you're not doing that, then add it to your business. And again, thank you so much for listening. If you are interested in learning a little bit more about our program and how we are helping loan officers flip the status quo on real estate agents, go to flipthestatusquo.com. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you for tuning into the Loans On Demand podcast on loansondemandpodcast.com. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.